politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard anew our life, our liberty, our property, our culture, and our sanity. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house at Blaze Media for Friday. We always love Friday, January 10th, the day John Adams called for a Continental Army. This was after Lexington and Concord right before the Battle of Bunker Hill when he understood something more had to be done. Well, this is our Bunker Hill moment. Something more needs to be done because what we're doing is not working. How is it that with every existential crisis we face from our economy, our way of life, our bodies, healthcare, this democide being committed by our government, the controlled demolition of our culture, crime, illegal immigration. Somehow, the narrative, the story is about January 6th and gun can- and bipartisan talks on gun control. Well, the way that happens is because the Republican Party and Fox News and the conservative movement is a controlled opposition. That's, it's that simple. Because they make it about that. They accede and agree and acquiesce to every policy premise on all the aforementioned issues to the left. So therefore, that's what it's about. And they're literally working with them. I'm going to read an article to you later about this on bipartisan talks. So they sit and yelp, like I mentioned yesterday. Look at what the Democrats doing. They're distracting from inflation with January 6th, and uh, they, they don't want to talk about the attempted assassination on Kavanaugh. Yes, these people are utter freaking animals. They're sick animals, filthy vipers that you cannot live with, and we need a national divorce, and we need red states to be as autonomous in our views as the blue states are in their decrepit views. But instead... The Republican Party is working with them on Ukraine. They're working with them on bipartisan, what could we do something about Uvalde? In other words, all the while legitimizing their premise, their focus, their narrative, their talking points. It's ironic that a lot of the Republican leadership they're putting out on social media, they're even complaining, like, why are we talking about January 6th? It's all theater. Nobody is stopping you. Kevin McCarthy actually said this. You know, we should have hearings on uh, this and that inflation. No one's stopping you from doing that. You don't need to be the majority. You could do what Senator Ron Johnson did, but you do it with all the Republican senators, all the congressmen, all the governors, and major figures. And you bring in Fox News. They would cover it then because all the Republican bigwigs would, would be there. And everyone would cover it. Victims of the vaccine... This coming week, they're putting this poison shot on babies and toddlers. And they don't talk about it. They, and they complain about the narrative. You want to change the subject? I'll change it for you in three seconds. Yes, the Democrats control the media. But the media also cannot help themselves but fact check and cover our stuff. So yeah, if it's just me and Steve Dace and a handful of people talking about this, it won't go anywhere. But you have the entire party and apparatus and Fox and talk radio uh, get, get involved in this, boy, could you make a splash. But we can't do it 
because they don't agree. They agree with the left. They complain about inflation. You want to talk about January 6th? I'll talk about March 25th, the day the Republican-controlled Senate passed the worst piece of legislation in American history, $2 trillion COVID fascism bill, undergirding the lockdowns, underwriting Pfizer genocide, underwriting the war on treatment, all the while refusing to investigate where the virus even came from before we agreed to the response of the people who perpetrated it, induced the inflation we're, we're uh, suffering from today, voted for $56 billion for Ukraine, and now the New York Times admits that there's no end game. We don't even know what's going on there. So I don't want to hear this garbage. Republicans are allowing the Democrats to change the subject. Now, I'm not even so worried about them successfully changing the subject. The Democrats are going to get crushed. I mean, you can't deny, you know, just a day later, the inflation news comes out, 8.6% inflation. That's a joke because it's basically 8.6% except for everything that matters, which is 30, 40, 50, or 100% increase. So, you know... I admire the Democrats. A certain event happens in the world that they feel could jive with their narrative, and they jump on it. Uvalde, boom, boom, boom. Guns, guns a-blazing. We're going to vote on guns. They do it right away. They have the narrative. Heck, even a year and a half after January 6th, they're still focused on it. Yet, when we have Ukraine fraud, COVID fascism, illegal immigration, record crime, grooming, all this stuff... Republicans are silent or agreeing with it. Name me one issue where Democrats are like, oh my gosh, something needs to be done about this. They accede and legitimize, they countenance a conservative premise and say, based on that premise, we're going to have find a bipartisan solution. Name me one issue. You can't. Yeah, Republicans are like, yeah, we need to walk on guns. And that's what they're doing. But I'm not worried about the discussion. What I am worried about with January 6th is not the theater. It doesn't matter. No one cares. It's all a DC insider game. But the same way they used COVID as a pretext to criminalize our bodies, they're using January 6th as a pretext, and they already have, to criminalize our political and social views and just general opposition to the government. What distinguished America from any other government from day one was that you could have political opponents, that you can't have those in power punish with jail people that oppose them, that haven't committed a clear act, or you have trumped up charges of misdemeanors that you blow 100 degrees out of proportion, and then at the same time the regime does political violence 100 times worse and nothing happens to them, and they encourage it and foment it. That's what I'm concerned, and that obviously gets to right after we recorded yesterday yesterday's show, Ryan Kelly, he's one of the leading gubernatorial candidates for in uh, Michigan. He was arrested in a massive FD, FBI raid for January 6th. He wasn't even in the building. They claim he had a gesture <laughs> um, for a gesture, and they have some like statements of him saying, this is our moment or something. But if you want to say that portends violence, then why didn't he go in? By the way, an interesting observation on January 6th, I was thinking, all the videos of violence, if you notice, they're ironically outside the Capitol. But inside, 
it's they're kind of orderly walking in, goofing around a little bit. When they're in the Senate chamber, they're joking around. If you remember the video with Chansley and that cop, the Capitol Hill officer in there was like, hey, guys, like, come on, show some respect. I, I, I agree with you guys. Like, it was... It wasn't, there was no inkling that they were there, like like a BLM Antifa bloodlust that they'll literally chop your head off. Uh, the proof is in the pudding. No violence happened in there. The violence was outside. And, and we all know why. Because if it really was a violent insurrection, it would have been inside. The reason was because it was fomented by agent provocateurs, Ryan Epps, who hasn't been arrested. He's an FBI agent that's seen both in the video the night before saying we need to go in and, and all the other legitimate protesters were like, they called him a fed. They're like, no, we're not doing that. And then he was the one that literally encouraged the breach, the first breach of the outside perimeter. And uh, they cropped that out of the video last night, of course. And by the way, Ryan Kelly was, was uh, arrested by the same office, FBI Michigan office, that concocted the Whitmer kidnapping charge and was, uh, you know, talked down by by the judge there, dressed down for uh, entrapment. The same thing. But again, even January 6th, Republicans to this day, and certainly until recently, got up there and agreed to the narrative. They agreed to it. They spewed all the falsehoods. It was Louis Gohmert and Marjorie Taylor Greene and a handful of people, the same suspects, that fought back. But 90%, you could call it the COVID fascist coalition, the Ukraine coalition, same guys, the 80-90% of Republicans that matter, that have the microphones, that have the leadership, they agreed to it. And now they're starting to realize, holy hell, like that was bad. Just like they're, I think some of them are starting to realize with Ukraine, it's always too late. But when the next big new current thing is induced by the left, they'll be all over it, including when they take back Congress. Doesn't have to be this way. But it is. We could crush them. Again, you don't need control of Congress. That That's an inside baseball thing. No one watches that, the C-SPAN stuff. right? What the Democrats are showing is you could put on theater. Okay, so you could do the same thing. Well, Daniel, they won't cover it. Yes, they will, actually. They won't cover someone like me or Marjorie Taylor Greene or Ron John having their own thing, not with the support of leadership and leadership laughing and scoffing at it. But you have Fox News and talk radio and the entire Republican leadership holding hearings in a tribunal style. They might not have the legal authority, but that's not the important point. It's, it's an information war on every aspect of COVID, on, on injecting children, that would be the discussion of the week. But we can't have nice things. Now, folks, one of the ways we do fight back is by stopping to fund those who hate us and our values. Don't give your money to Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, who are literally spying on you. If you're looking for a wireless carrier, go with Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They are actually passionate, particularly about the free speech issue. And the good thing is, usually it's like if you want to get rid of the major providers for you know, a vital good and service, you really got to settle because they do have a monopoly. No, 
Patriot Mobile used the same nationwide coverage, the same tower, so you're not going to sacrifice on the coverage. Their plan fits your budget. They have a 100% U.S.-based customer support team that actually speaks English. And most importantly, they share your values. So go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code CR and veterans and first responders save even more because they support our religious freedom values, our sanctity of life, and our support for veterans and first responders. It's time to support companies that love you, love America, and love your values. So go to patriotmobile.com slash CR. That's patriotmobile.com slash CR or 972-PATRIOT. Activation code CR. So, folks, this is where we are today. I started off the week talking about a boxing match that you can never win on defense. You have to be punching because the punching in itself protects you from their punches. If you don't want to get hit on their gun control narrative and on their, um, you know, January 6th narrative, well, first off, don't agree to it. But second of all, Every day, rather than reacting, we should be holding hearings on the controlled demolition. And and Americans would care a lot more about that than the stuff they want to get involved in. And then they're like, oh my gosh, they're violent, they're attempting to do this, and and it's crazy. Literally, this has been a, a historic week in politics. The same week, they tag and arrest political opponents running for governor for merely speech gestures you have chuck schumer called for an attack on the supreme court justices it couldn't have been figuratively because they don't stand for election and you have an attempted assassin um arrested among many other protesters and they won't call them off i mean every conservative condemned january 6 they called off they were there were going to be more protests like in states they called them off no one touched it with the temple Here they're continuing it, and a day later, Joe Biden calls for a mini-revolution if the Supreme Court justices rule this way. No problem. Now, I'm not the only one mentioning this. Republicans are mentioning these points. But rather than saying, therefore, these people are utter, freaking, sadistic, you know, dual justice system animals, and we're going to have a national divorce, they work with them. Unbelievable article in Politico. Conservatives lay off Senate gun negotiations. Something strange is happening among Senate Republicans when it comes to guns. And, and by the way, this was the one issue I said a couple of weeks ago that they held the line on just so they could screw us in every other issue. Now they're not. As bipartisan talks on gun safety package continues, conservatives are pointedly not trying to derail them. Several, in fact, seem open to supporting a modest deal. And Republicans are considering some ideas that would have been a non-starter just a month ago. Summing up the view of conservatives at the moment, Senator Mike Braun said from Indiana, I'm a gun owner and I use them a lot and I think it hurts the Second Amendment over time if you don't do stuff that makes sense. So, and there's a whole bunch of quotes on there. Whole bunch of quotes from different senators. I'm not going to bore you with the details from some stupid Politico article. But the point is, they're not even holding the line on that one issue. It's always operating within their orbit, like the moon around the earth. So too are the Republicans around the Democrats. So nothing about the Ukraine fraud, nothing about illegal immigration and crime, nothing about grooming, and certainly nothing about who did COVID, who created it, who destroyed the universe, 
holding them accountable. Continuing to mask toddlers in some cases. And now injecting people with this stuff. Calling for reparations. Having hearings with endless people who were injured by the shots. With doctors who were fired for helping treat patients. Where, where is this? Tag the Democrats with their incestuous relationship with Big Pharma. Oh, whoops, they can't because Republicans have the same relationship. It doesn't have to be this way. I just want you to know that. The conversation. If every Republican talker elected and then outside elected politics would be saying what I'm saying and focusing on what I'm focusing on, Democrats wouldn't even be able to get off the ground with this. It's utterly insane. You know, yesterday, Mitch McConnell was, was uh, frothing at the mouth, hopping mad about the fact that we're no longer in Afghanistan. He's really upset about that. He was like mouthing off about that. that, that that's what he's upset about. See, the game about Republicans is they think they could wish away a problem. So as soon as something comes out, COVID, oh my God. Like, okay, Democrats, we don't want to be viewed as not caring. We don't want to be viewed as anti-vax, whatever you want. But eventually, they're going to cut your heart out. Same thing with January 6th. Hang these people. Oh, I'm not for violence. Yeah, this is terrible. Um, by the way, now you know they're investigating Mike Lee even. They're accusing him of being involved. So eventually, here's the dirty little secret. So, like, people like us are expendables. But no, we're the respectable conservatives. That, 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 that we're respectable, wear a mask, get the shot, uh, give money to Ukraine, and uh, January 6th is terrible. Dude, they're coming for you, too. The more you don't deter their behavior and you incentivize it, they'll never stop. They think they could wish it away and just give them everything they want. And get back to talking about, like, you know, economics in, in, in the abstract, even though they caused all the economic problems. It ain't happening. I'm just telling you. You can't wish it away. And I have a column out today I want to talk to you about. Just not only are Republicans, they don't believe in anything, but their political barometer is so broken. Democrats come with a destructive civilization-changing radical nutty idea and republican it's like a, it's like an 80 20 the public is against it and the republicans turn winning issues for us into losing issues oh no it's a juggernaut we'll be viewed as racist we'll be viewed as radical conspiracy theorists if we don't go along so they go along with it and because they go along with it democrats advance and advance and achieve and achieve and destroy our civilization our demographics our economy our ability to live with dignity and afford items our, our medical system, healthcare, you name it. They're every last aspect. Everyone's homosexual. Everyone's transgender. Everyone wants shots. Everyone wants masks. Everyone wants illegal immigration. Everyone wants criminal justice reform. And then 10 years later, they're like, yeah, I guess we kind of screwed that up. I talk about this in the context of immigration. I've been fighting this issue since 2006. Um, 
I'm one of the lead voices on illegal immigration in the country. I could say that. There's a few people alive who have written more uh, columns than me. Half my book is on it, on this issue. And there's nothing more radical than flooding your country with illegal aliens. Nobody ever wanted this. But every Republican consultant for years brainwashed 90% of Republicans to go along with it. So at a time whenever we had the power to end it, okay, they went along with it. We need comprehensive immigration, which always meant amnesty. They went along with it forever. And the reason we are where we are today is because, like every other issue, we didn't stop it when we could have. After the first, you know, you know, after IRCA, the 86 amnesty, so then it rejuvenated in, like, around 1990, the illegal immigration began again. We had time in the 90s, we could have stopped it. We could have stopped it in the early 2000s. And now it's too late. Stage five. But they want to blame Biden. It's very easy to do that. Just like with inflation. They are guilty at the time it mattered. Remember, Republicans will never fight the issue that matters in the way that matters at the time that it matters. They'll fight either the wrong issue or in a way it doesn't matter or after it's a day late and a dollar short. That's the game they play in order to keep people you know, voting for them. Keep up this fake fight. But every GOP, they're like, you're gonna, you can't win without the Hispanic vote, and this is a way to get their vote. The famous GOP autopsy. So, and, and this is what they always did. They would nominate the most leftist candidate, he would lose, and then they would blame conservatives. So after Romney lost in 2012, they, they, they had a 100-page autopsy. They literally called it an autopsy. And among the many things they said was that we must embrace and champion comprehensive immigration reform Otherwise, our party's appeal will continue to shrink to its core constituencies only. They quote Dick Armey. He was the um, libertarian-leaning, godless House majority leader in the 1990s. And the autopsy is saying, quote, you can't call someone ugly and expect them to go to the prom with you. So I write today, well, following that line of thinking, using their analogy that open borders is the love language of Hispanic voters, then Joe, Bar- Joe Biden's current Democrat Party, well, they're the equivalent of telling Hispanics you're the most beautiful people around, right? They've brought in several million illegal aliens, you know, majority from Latin America. So if that's what they want, I mean, and, 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 and saying that you're for sovereignty and against illegal immigration is like telling Hispanics you're ugly, well, then, you know, the current Democrat Party, right, is the equivalent of telling Democrats uh, telling Hispanic voters, you're beautiful, right? Quinnipiac is out with a poll. It shows Biden's approval rating is underwater. 33 approve, 55 don't approve. But there's, a lot of people are talking about this poll. And this poll usually skews a little bit more towards the Democrats historically. But there's something I want to focus on that's not getting enough attention. That from a political science and historical standpoint, is utterly astounding and unprecedented. Biden has just a 24% approval among Hispanics. That's lower than the 32% approval among whites, which is very dismal in itself. 
I don't remember a time in history that was ever the case that a Democrat was polling worse among Hispanics than whites. Okay? Now, and, and then, you know, they have, like, sub-data on strongly support. Only 11% of Hispanics strongly support, uh, approve of, of Biden's uh, job, his job approval. 11%. This is the guy that has given what we were told is what Hispanics want, everything you would ever dream of. He's 11% strongly approved among Hispanics, lower than any other demographic. Do you understand? We have been lied to about the politics of immigration, just like the policy of it, for at least 30, 35 years. The Republican Party failed to do what they could have done so many times because of this big lie. And now here we are, when at least rhetorically, most Republicans don't mean it. They're still in the back, uh, the back pockets of big ag. But to this day, to this day, you know, certainly the perception of the Republican Party with Trump, even though Trump himself wouldn't shut up about dreamers, but the perception was he was very strong about it. One Washington Post columnist um, after Trump announced his candidacy in 2015, he said Donald Trump's Mexican rapist rhetoric will keep the Republican Party out of the White House. Well, here we are. And it turns out that... So, so historically, these GOP soothsayers would typically suggest, look, you're never going to win the Hispanic vote, but this is a way of cutting our losses and getting an extra 5-10% rather than continuing to lose their vote if you get... Um, if you, if you support amnesty, but nobody suggested you'd downright win them. This same Quinnipiac poll, it has Republicans generic ballot plus three over the Democrats with Hispanics. So it's not just that they're doing historically very well. Democrats are historically doing poorly. Republicans are now beating Democrats. Um, they, they're downright winning by a small margin, but winning the Hispanic vote. That is insane, especially among Hispanic males. That is utterly insane. And, and rhetorically, they're stronger than ever, even though they just use it as a talking point. But again, that is telling them you're ugly, according to the GOP consultants. Do you see what I'm trying to tell you? I'm not just trying to give you a political science lesson. I am telling you that... This and every other issue that was of utmost importance and not just important policy, but good politics too. And we could have had our cake and eat it too. And we could have prevented the fiscal crisis we're in today, the social crisis, the demographic crisis, the national security crisis. Heck, these same people told us it's a winning issue to be weak on crime. I am the last conservative writer who opposed, the only one, who opposed Trump's jailbreak bill and this entire criminal justice deform Koch brother crap that almost every Republican, Fox News, and every conservative publication, including some that would surprise you, bought into. They wouldn't even allow columns at the Federalist, by the way, um, opposing the jailbreak bills. I was the, I was the last man 
holding Reagan's view on crime. And here we are, suffering from the worst crime wave ever. Republicans, again, they'll broadly talk about it. See, this is the game they'll play. They'll cause an issue by agreeing for decades to the Democrat premise, thereby allowing them to implement their policy. They'll even help them with it. Then when the inevitable results come in and the chickens come home to roost, they very weakly, uh, you know, indulge our talking point just enough to win an election, but never to identify what caused it and to properly pursue the policies that will be needed to rectify it. But then they, you know, they get away with it. And that, look, they'll win. They'll win the election. But we had three decades of his pandering, pandering to the Hispanic vote. Pandering never works. Voters of all backgrounds want strong leadership on the fundamental issues that affect their lives. Not symbolic checkboxes that white liberals artificially draft for them. That's what they want. Ron DeSantis is, has, a, has a positive approval among Hispanics. He's the strongest governor ever on illegal immigration. Talks about keeping illegals out of Florida, dumping them in other states, making sure they can't get jobs. He's, he's talked about states um, helping deport, working together to deport them, state deportations. And he'll, he'll carry Miami-Dade County. What a freaking lie. What a lie. Voters are very paradoxical. Voters are neither... Most people don't think about political consistency all day, and they're not on Twitter all day. They're attracted to a strong show of force. And that's why you either have a rudder and you guide the mission, or you'll be like a, like, like a rudderless boat, and you'll be a victim of the winds, of, of the spirit of the age. So the Democrat attacks on you might work. Oh, you're racist, you're this. Sometimes they could work. But in fact, if you're strong on that same policy, 10 times stronger on it, you might do even better. That's how politics works. Because you need to, you need to give people the other side of the story. But this is where Republicans are. You will never get a better set of issues, a more auspicious time to fight, and against a better opponent. Biden's unpopularity is unbelievable. See, one of the problems we had during Obama's era, people don't like his policies, but he personally, for whatever reason, was very frustrating. He was very popular. He was, he was very likable. I don't see why, but he was. This guy, I mean, forget it. Now is the time to not work with them and hold them accountable. Now is the time to have a budget fight over stopping illegal immigration, banning all transportation of illegals into the interior of the country, over overturning Biden's war on energy. Don't just talk inflation. Put that in a budget bill. Republicans could craft a bill and say we will not give cloture because they need 60 votes for the Democrat budget bill that they want to pass late August, it would have to, you know, or I'm sorry, late September. Start that fight now. Build the momentum for months. Here are our demands for the budget. Defund Pfizer. Block the shots. 
block the mandates in the military. All of that. Any funding for grooming in the government. Let the fight be about that. Then the fight will be about, you guessed it, clot shots, grooming, illegal immigration. I'd rather it be about that than what they want it to be about. But Daniel, we can't have a government shutdown right before an election. That's exactly when you want it. Look, we're not dealing with a slick talker. You know, that was always the issue when, okay, you control Congress under Clinton or Obama. This guy's a dead carcass. That's exactly the guy. And this is precisely the time. And these are precisely the issues with which you would want to engage in a budget fight. If you don't do it now, you sure as heck won't do it when you own some of the liability of government afterwards. And if you don't engage in budget fights or fights over must-pass bills, farm bills, uh, debt ceilings, NDAAs, that's it. It's all a lie. They'll hold some stupid hearings, but not the ones we want to hold. And that's it. And again, hearings are fine to drive a narrative if you're going to do something with it. But that's the lesson of this Quinnipiac poll and the great lie of the politics and their political barometer regarding illegal, illegal immigration for three decades. It's true of every issue. Um, we don't want to look like we care about victims of crime because we can't be viewed as racist. Because most people love criminals. Huh? Like what? Are you retarded or something? Um, Daniel, people are not Bible-believing Christians. They love men. They believe men are women. It's a really popular issue. Utter retards. Daniel, after everyone was injured from the shot and they get COVID 50 times and it doesn't work, we can't be viewed as anti-vax. By the way, even the more conservative ones, that's what they'll tell you. I'm Privately, they will not touch it. Nobody else is going to give you this presentation. Nobody. I'm not doing that to toot my horn. I'm doing it in frustration. I wish I would be out of business. I wish I would be the same boring talking points. I wish everyone were saying this. It's all misdirection. And then they complain about the left and the misdirection, but they're causing it. If you don't focus on the issues I'm focusing on, Democrats will successfully take it to where they want to take it. That's just the reality. Republicans bought into BLM. They all bought into that from day one. Now they're like, yeah, it's kind of violent. But when it mattered, they bought into it. They don't make these points. Do you know, people forget, I forget which date in late May, you know, okay, well, Daniel, that was different. That was violence in the streets, but this was violence against our nation's capital. Do you know, you had an attack on the White House. They called for lynching Trump. Several dozen... Secret Service agents were um, were injured, taken to the hospital. I don't think you could imagine how bad that is. You know the Secret Service, they don't let you get past anything. I once had a story a, a border agent told me. He was in Washington and, and went up to a, um, a Secret Service agent near the White House and showed him his badge as a border agent said, hey, you know, we're fellow law enforcement. I want to take a picture of you. He, like, pushed his hands and said, get away. That's how standoffish they are. 
the amount of rope they gave BLM to destroy that would enable a situation where several dozen Secret Service would get injured is astounding. One of them had head trauma. You know, they talked about head trauma last night from one of the Capitol officers. Never hear about it because Republicans never made it an issue. Trump never made it much of an issue. Trump was very weak, by the way. There's a whole New York Times article on it at the time. Kushner and, and Brooke Rollins convinced him to stand down on that whole issue until it was too late. But um, according to a report by the major chi- uh, cities chiefs association, police chiefs, there were 574 riots that took place in the U.S. and Canada basically in the months of June and July, started May 25th, stemming from about 8,700 protest events, 2,000 officers were injured. 72% of major city law enforcement agencies had officers harmed. More than half of major city law enforcement agencies, 56%, experienced an arson incident. Just in Minneapolis alone, 1,500 businesses were burned down, as well as police stations and schools caused over $500 million in damages nationwide. And this is just the claims for insurance. It was The total damage was definitely more, between $1 and $2 billion in insurance claims caused by the riots. And they're able to talk about some broken windows. A couple officers were injured. No one directly died. By the way, to this day, only one Capitol officer died. And that was, I'm forgetting the date, it was a couple months after, it was in April of 2021, Officer Evans, killed by this guy Green, who was a Farrakhan supporter, crashed his car into officers, came out with a machete. Nobody knows about that. That was an attack on the Capitol by a black supremacist. And we don't hear any talk about how to you know, counter black supremacism, monitor their talk, arrest anyone associated with it for mere rhetoric and no memorials to Officer Evans. No one ever heard of him. But again, if you don't punch, you're going to get punched in a boxing match, right? Offense is part of defense. Republicans don't make these points because they agree to it. Do you understand? Even the people that burned down the police stations, they got slaps on the wrist. Most of the Portland violence, their charges were dropped. Yet these guys, for either literally nothing or misdemeanors, like, and the misdemeanors were basically trespassing a public building, not ransacking a private business and looting and arsoning and punching and whatever. Nothing happened to them, yet these guys, they were held without bail. FBI raided their homes. Have you ever seen an FBI raid on a single Antifa BLM case? You know they permanently blinded some DHS officers in Portland with the with those lasers? But Republicans don't make a point. Have you ever heard Mitch McConnell mention a word that I'm mentioning today? No. So yeah, I mean, if it's a handful of people like Marjorie Taylor Greene types and Chip Roy and, you know handful of off-the-beaten-path, dissident, alternative-right podcasts, yeah, I mean, it's going to have a limited reach. That's life. But I don't want to hear the Fox News-style Republicans complain about the Democrats when they are the ones causing it. 
And by the way, the little violence that did occur, unlike with BLM, where they didn't need agent provocateurs from the FBI to help that, it was provoked by the FBI. Again, it doesn't mean that not a single legitimate protester that wasn't an FBI guy did anything wrong that day. But at the pivotal moments, it was orchestrated. Because, again, why would all the violence be outside and not inside? The answer is because the violence was to provoke a reaction. Remember, a lot of people were singing God Bless America and they were pepper sprayed and, and sprayed with bullet with, with rubber bullets. That was all orchestrated. They planned the attack. There's now an article at Just the News that Schumer had a tip from the feds that they that the, the day before and denied security. We all know what happened. But then somehow once they're in the building, the worst that there was is just some some theft. Why wasn't there violence? I mean, if they were bloodlust to get in, so once they were in, why weren't they, they executing people like, like we were told they were trying to do? And the answer is, it was all a trap to get them in the building so they could tag them with a federal crime of bypassing a metal detector and done. And then they could you know, go on from there. That's what it was. Again, Ray Apps, the FBI agent there seen in the videos, he is the Ralph Barrick equivalent of January 6th. So if we actually had a movement that cared about this dual justice system, what's going on, we would protect our political protesters with as much rigor as they protect theirs, except the difference is theirs are murderers. Look, if we have a guy that legitimately is convicted with due process of smashing the skull of a, of a, you know, um, cop. Yeah, certainly, you know, put him in jail, commensurate with, you know, not more, but even with what you would typically do. No, none of us are just trying to protect that. But there's very few of them even charged with with any act of violence because it was it it really didn't exist much. It was fomented fomented by the FBI. We need a bill. And the governors need to promise, this is an action item, every red state, the Ryan Kelly thing is a wake-up call. To make it clear, and the governors need to hold a press conference. Imagine if you had 20 Republican governors hold a press conference and say, look, we, you know, we're against violence on any side. Anyone who commits a legitimate crime, that's fine. Go get them. But by the fact that the feds have ignored all of the political violence of the left, and then they hold a standard of like a murderer to someone only being accused of being at the Capitol and often not even in it. We are going to make it a felony for the feds to do a raid and arrest any of our citizens in our state if there are no charges of having committed an actionable crime and it's just stemming from their political views of either sometimes expressing words or being at a protest. Remember, if there are a small number of people who turn violent at a protest, and that is pretext for arresting anyone who was there, and you just use statements they made, you would literally have several million people 
in jail. And by the way, you don't even need to come on to that from BLM. Because even if you just limit it to people that legitimately arsoned, looted, trespassed private property, um, and beat, you'd be in the you'd be in the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. But you'd be in the millions if you held the January 6th standard to their people. And none of us ever suggested that. That someone who was just kind of like goofing off in the street committed no crime just because other people were being violent. You know, we question the judgment of those people. If you have night after night after night after night of vicious violence, if you truly are peaceful, you have a right to protest, but, but what are you doing there? Whereas with January 6th, nobody, everyone stayed away from it. You would think, like, after you have an assassin, even the guys that are just kind of, you know, again, and that, that is your right to protest, although I, I think doing it at a private residence, some, and I do agree with those that say we should make that off limits, but they're doing it at a private residence, which is something that people have the right, on the right never did. They're continuing to do it. But anyway, I digress. There's a bill in Oklahoma from Senator Nathan Dom, the best guy in the state Senate there. Of course, it won't go anywhere, but it should. SB 1166, it makes it unlawful for the federal government to transport non-felony January 6th prisoners through the state. And again, I'm not saying you can't have a misdemeanor and legitimate and the feds have a right to it, but we need to respond. January 6th has been tainted. It's all, it's clear. It's no longer about the misdemeanors. That's the thing. I'm all for the rule of law. But again, if you're going to literally hold someone in a gulag for trespassing a private building or not even doing it, but saying like disorderly conduct outside the building, and then you have guys that, that, that burned and arsoned and beat and you don't even arrest them, I'm sorry, that is political persecution of the worst elements of, of dictatorships in the third world. And red states have an obligation to say, we will send out the state troopers and arrest any feds. We need the sanctuary movement that we have in the Second Amendment that we need for COVID fascism. It needs to extend to the First Amendment. But of course, nobody is talking about that. All empty calories all day long because that's where we are. Now, I want to just in the remaining time go through some, uh, uh, you know, other news today. So Republicans are still bought into Ukraine. We can never hold the Democrats accountable for what they've done with, at a time of inflation, fifth, you cannot imagine the, the harm of pumping $56 billion in weapons to such a volatile situation. New York Times, President Zelensky of Ukraine has provided near daily updates on Russia's invasions on social media, viral video posts, yada, yada. But despite the flow of all this news, American intelligence agencies have less information than they would like about Ukraine's operations and possess a far better picture of Russia's military, its planned operations, and its successes and failures, according to current and former officials. Governments often withhold information from the public of operational security, but these information gaps within the U.S. government could make it more difficult for the Biden admin to decide how to target military aid. Um, U.S. officials said the Ukrainian government gave them few classified briefings or details about their operational plans. We are typically we funded 50 million, 100 million, 200 million, 56 billion. You cannot. 
I, I, you can't wrap your arms around that. That's like World War II style stuff. And we literally are not demanding any understanding of what the hell they're doing with it. How much do we really know about the what Ukraine is doing? Says Seth Banner, a former senior intel official. Can you find a person who will tell you with confidence how many troops has Ukraine lost? How many pieces of equipment has Ukraine lost? No. Even without a complete picture of Ukraine's military strategy and situation, the Biden admin has pushed forward new capabilities like rocket artillery systems. Pentagon officials say they have a robust process for sending weapons in place. Some European agencies say it will be difficult, if not impossible, for Ukraine to reclaim the land that Russia has taken since it invaded. We all know that. Everyone's like, oh, Russia got killed. No, they didn't. Russia has quietly controlled all the water. They control everything strategic. They control, they're achieving their objectives. They're just not stupid enough to march through Ukraine, through Kiev. It's not worth it for them. The ethnic areas that are not Russian, they don't want because they've learned the lessons of Afghanistan that you can't hold areas that civilians are against you. They want their areas. They're going to get them, but they're not going to march further, so they're not a threat. But for what they have, you're never going to snatch it away from them. What are we doing? We're prolonging misery, casualties on both sides, civilian casualties, supply chain shortages. But again, that's what they want to do. This is a New York Times article right there. Right right there. Nothing matters. Public information about Ukraine's casualties, equipment losses, morale is incomplete. Um, And uh, and there you go. There you go. The United States has better estimates of Russian casualties and equipment losses. Think about that. So, um, if Russia advances further, the failure to understand the state of the Ukrainian military could open the intel community to accusations that it failed to deliver. Everything is about Russia's goals and Russia, Russia's prospects for meeting their goals. We do talk about whether Ukraine might be able to defeat them. No, we do not talk about whether Ukraine might be able to defeat them. And to me, I feel that we are setting ourselves up for another intel failure by not talking about that publicly. So there you go. This is the New York Times. We cannot have a single Republican of leadership hold the line and ask the questions the New York Times is asking. Dude, what is the Ukrainian objective? What are we doing? We have never done that in history. I mean, this is like World War II level, Viet Cong level, per capita inflation adjusted weapons donations and there's no basic understanding of what the hell we're doing Russia is going they're going to keep their areas they're not really interested in much more but they're going to squeeze them strategically and kind of blockade them until they acquiesce to some of the other things such as signing a document that they won't join NATO and instead we're like give them endless weapons and have Sweden and Finland join, join NATO Republicans agree with Biden 
on all the issues that matter when they matter. Truly, truly disgusting. I'm just going to jump around here a little uh, free-for-all Friday. You know, some uh, news stories I want to get out before the week is over. DHS whistleblower documents we now have that show that, where is this? DHS was going to set up a meeting, set up a meeting with Twitter executives to see how to work on censorship. So we have Republican-appointed judges that are now now saying, no, it's a private company. It's a First Amendment right. You can't tell them that they have to, they can't discriminate even though they're a public carrier or common carrier. No, you can't tell them that. That's not right. That's unconstitutional. And here, it's the government orchestrating the censorship of individuals through them, but that's total private. Yeah, right. In April, they were planning a meeting, a partnership partnership an off the record close to the press meeting and um, on efforts to combat misinformation yep here we are real nice real real nice that's the you know but 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 most republicans are like that's a private business you can't tell them what to do Now we have the vaccine. The New York Times has an article out basically suggesting they abolish clinical trials. Now, they essentially did because fraudulent clinical trials are just as bad as abolishing them, but they suggest abolishing clinical trials. Many experts worry about that the virus is evolving so quickly that it is outpacing the ability to modify vaccines at least as long as the U.S. relies on human clinical trials for results. The problem is that Moderna and Pfizer, the maker of the other main coronavirus vaccine in the United States, do not have enough time now to run more human clinical trials and still manufacture shots before the fall. Folks, in two weeks, they're having what's called a new framework meeting for the FDA Vaccine Advisory Committee. I believe it's June 28th. This is basically where they're going to meet and suggest that we need to give Pfizer and Moderna whatever green lights we haven't already given them, which is hard to imagine, to basically, guys, whatever you want to produce, however you want to produce it, whatever you want to call it, it could be in vitro, say you have some cells here, good, we'll fund it, we'll endorse it, we'll market it, we'll mandate it. This is worse than Joseph Mengele, yet Republicans will not talk about this. I hate those people. I hate them worse than I hate the Democrats, because at least they believe in something. Do you know how crazy these shots are? There's a UK study out so, uh, about organ transplants. So people are being denied organ transplants for not getting an outdated harmful, negatively effective shot because they're told, oh, you need it. We don't want to waste an organ on you. We've come full circle that there's now evidence that the, that the organ donors, they took 
let's say kidneys or lungs from people that were in a you know brain dead in a car accident whatever like they usually do that had the shots and their organs were damaged by the shots and it was transferred to the recipient so the exact opposite they're saying a recipient has to get it we should really ban not take from donors who got the shot it's a uk study titled organ transplantation from deceased donors with vaccine-induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia. Could a uh, hat tip to uh, Aaron from New York for sending this to me. We identified 13 consented deceased organ donors, 13 who presented with thrombosis or hemorrhage and laboratory features consistent with VITT between, this is just like a period of basically February basically February and March and a little bit, it's less than two and a half month period at the beginning of the vaccine regime in 2021. They found 13 cases of this. This is a rare disease and organ donors are pretty rare in the scheme of things. This is just a two and a half month period at the earlier time of the vaccine take up. All had received the first dose of Chadox one yada whatever, that's the AstraZeneca shot, I guess. Because this is in the UK. So this is just AstraZeneca. Three recipients then developed early allograft failure requiring explanation. Two livers, one kidney. Two transplanted kidneys have impaired allograft function currently requiring hemodialysis and one recipient died within a day of transplantation from a presumed cardiac event. There were seven major thrombotic or hemorrhagic um, post-operative complications in six recipients resulting in the loss of three transplants. These occurred within nine days of transplantations of the six recipients with bleeding or thrombotic events. Two had received their second dose of Chadox con V19 vaccine within 30 days before the transplantation. Neither patient had features suggestive of VITT at the time of transplantation. Two of the three patients with bleeding had pre-existing risk factors for hemorrhage. None of the patients with thrombosis had significant pre-existing pro-coagulant tendencies, right? That would, you know, make them have a proclivity for uh, blood clotting. This is utterly insane. And again, we have stories and literature on this day after day after day. Imagine a year's worth of the entire Republican Party, conservative movement, Fox News, banging away every day at this. Imagine what our country would look like. I just want you to know, for all of time, it didn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. Oh, the media controls everything. There's nothing we can do. No, no, no. no. The Republican Party and the conservative movement is a false flag controlled opposition. That's why there's nothing we can do because of them. But it doesn't have to be this way. Truly, truly disgusting. Truly disgusting. And we have nowhere to turn. Now, I want to end off today. I'm going to read to you an email from a longtime listener, Fred. The gun crime episode yesterday made me think of a broader issue with our movement. You know, because I talked about gun violence and how they're letting them out of jail while pushing gun control. As you point out, billionaires on the left spend millions 
to elect pro-crime prosecutors, but they also fund an entire industry of professional activism. I'm sure you've seen all of the flowcharts of how money trickles down through front groups and foundations from Soros to Gates. It is the money that pays for the rent mobs the left uses to create pop-up protests whenever they are needed to astroturf outrage. It funds the um, you know Antifa, BLM, to be full-time radicals and terrorists intimidating people, pays their legal defense and bail funds. It funds the radical lawfare attorneys, takes them, makes them rich filing frivolous lawsuits against businesses and government agencies to bend them to woke agenda. It funds their get-out-the-vote registration drives, which are always done by paid door knockers. If you're committed to radical leftist nut job, who truly drinks the Kool-Aid, it is extremely easy to get a fully funded position as a full-time activist. You can get rewarded with academic credentials like a JD, PhD, cushy tenure job as a professor. Even the stupid people get full-time jobs with benefits as instructors at community colleges. Others get full-time jobs working for the various not-for-profit 501c3s. All that doesn't even include the government jobs and corporate woke jobs like chief diversity officer. In contrast, our side has been virtually purged from academia, government, now even woke uh, corporations. If you want to be a full-time liberty activist, you had better be a stay-at-home mom, retired, or independently wealthy. The only paying jobs in politics on our side are for the GOP sleazy lobbyists, consultants, and media types. If you're some rhino former congressional staffer or attorney, you can earn a good living by running a communications firm and taking a commission off the top of what campaigns spend on <clears throat> low yield, low percentage, but expensive direct mail campaigns and media ad buys. But if you're someone doing effective things, like what the left calls community organizing, helping run campaigns for local candidates, issue-based activism, etc., you are limited to whatever you can do in your spare time at your own expense. While we accomplish a remarkable amount this way, I wonder if we can ever truly build a real movement without any of the resources the left and the GOP is able to mobilize against us. Not trying to be pessimistic, just pointing out a problem, though, I don't have a real solution. Our billionaires, like the Kochs, are the problem, not a part of the solution. Very well said, Fred. I mean, if you just want to sum up in one email, um, that's kind of our email of the week from our mailbag. If you want to sum up our problem and why we are where we are and why the Republicans and conservative movement are a reflection of what they are and not a reflection of what is right and just and, and really politically auspicious as well, that's why. I mean, that's the problem. There's no money in what we're doing. And this is why you know we have no choice but for you guys to all get active. And, and I feel bad. I do earn money doing this. You know, it's thank, thank it's really because of you guys patronizing our our sponsors. Um, that's that's where the only way I could earn a modest enough living, just about where my wife doesn't have to work and could you know, <laughs> I, I say doesn't have to work when you have four kids under. 12 um <laughs> you know and the baby is like she's not a baby she's two but she's up every night beginning middle and wakes up early now it's more than a full-time job at this trajectory i won't be able to even make it you know if i don't up my game but i'm thankful for that but you look we need you i need all of you you got to get involved there, there's no other choice you can't leave it to the professional politicos because by and large, with few exceptions, they are the problem. So we're going to have to astroturf at a local level. We're going to have to get involved. 
We're going to have to make a set of demands. We're going to have to stay focused. And I promise you, I'm going to continue to be focused. I don't have, I have some ideas. And if we had a movement and other, my other idiot colleagues doing what I'm doing, there's a lot we can do. If we're going to be alone, it's hard to speak over the rancor. That's always been the problem. But I wanted to give you a sense of what could be done, that it doesn't have to be this way. By golly, it doesn't have to be this way. May God guide us on how to actually actualize our potential, do what's just. Outcomes are for God, but we have to try. And until now, we haven't even been on the playing field. So that's about it for this week. I still left a lot on the table to talk about next week. We'll be back same time, same place. I hope you guys have a terrific family-oriented weekend. Until next week, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.